0: Welcome to another episode of the Deborah Health Report, where we dive into current health and medical topics to keep the Delaware Valley informed and updated. The conversation continues with cardiologist Dr. Joseph Guarino as we tackle heart topics such as the holiday heart syndrome, and where overeating, alcohol consumption, and smoking can lead to heart health complications. Here's Rasa Kaye.
1: Hi, I'm Rasa Kay upping your heart health game is always a smart new year's resolution if there's a history of heart disease in your family tree you might want to undergo baseline testing to learn more about how to treat a burgeoning problem or better still how to avoid one we asked deborah cardiologist dr joseph guarino when to schedule
0: depends i mean we don't just rush people but people in this country had 20 years and older can have heart disease, can have coronary artery disease. So you look for signs and symptoms that, or somebody comes in, let's say as a new patient to me, I'm gonna ask them about their risk factors for heart disease. Do you smoke, do you have high blood pressure, do you have diabetes, do you have family history, is your cholesterol high? The more of those things you have, even if they're low level, the greater your risk of developing plaque in the arteries. Uh, So we might do testing to check, or they come in with I feel a little uncomfortable in the chest once in a while when I'm doing yard work or whatever. Well, okay, well, let's do a stress test to make sure it's not because you have circulation problem to the heart. Or they get out of breath or they get edema or swelling in the ankles, things like that. There you're going to look at heart performance. You might do an echocardiogram in that circumstance to look at how, is the heart enlarged? Is it squeezing normally? Is the thickness of the muscle normal? All of those things, are the valves all normal in the heart? An echo can give you an awful lot of information about the heart. Really, the only thing it doesn't check is the circulation to the heart. That's where stress tests come in and things like that. Because an EKG at rest can look perfectly normal. But if I put somebody on a treadmill and have them start walking a little bit with gradually increasing rates of speed and incline, we may see changes that come out on the EKG that are not at their baseline resting EKG, which might indicate a problem with circulation.
1: So you would want symptoms to kind of guide the way for your first investigation of a heart
0: issue. Most of the time, however, (laughs) you may, you know, people present with no symptom. The first sign of a problem might be a heart attack. A third of those patients don't survive that. They don't make it to a hospital. You know, if somebody is asymptomatic, but they have risk factors, well, you want to check them and make sure that they don't have an underlying problem they're unaware of. But if symptoms develop, well then you want to move a little more quickly to, to sort that out for them.
1: So this is something you would stay on top of with your family your family practitioner, sure. your, your yes, GP, absolutely. as you're heading through your middle age, doc, and, sure. you know, your family history is this was the age when my dad or my exactly, mom started exactly. having issues. And that's when they might start saying, all right, so we're going to do this blood work and we're going to look, et cetera. Right. Body shape, you know, big, tall, skinny guy, short squat guy, you mm-hmm.
0: know, pear-shaped,
1: apple shape, all of this. How does this affect heart issues?
0: Well, if your belly comes through the door before the rest of you, that's an indication you may have insulin resistance, which may put you at greater risk of developing vascular disease, including coronary artery disease. So weight has a bearing. Truncal obesity, we call it where someone's heavier in the upper part of their body. You know, you see big, hefty guys, upper part of the body's bigger than the rest of them, greater risk of coronary disease. If you have a crease in your earlobe, you're at greater risk of coronary disease, by the way. Not a that crease that in, in
1: your earlobe. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, so I, I was on the radio once, and I mentioned that, and uh,
1: and everybody my, ran. My the neighbor ring.
0: said I almost got in a car accident because I was.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> but weight is a big factor, and you know, because that can obviously lead to diabetes or insulin uh, resistance things like that. That's some extra work on your heart carrying that weight around, you know, all the time. Uh, you generally tend to be less active, so the inactivity can add to it, and if you're a smoker on top of it, that's going to add to it as well.
1: All right, and lead to higher cholesterol and the blood pressure issues. Explain those impacts. If those are your first indicators, what what does that mean? How does that lead to heart disease?
0: Well, smoking is a big, probably the number one risk factor, but it's a very big risk factor. It does everything to you that's set up for a heart attack. It increases your heart rate, drops drops your oxygen level, increases carbon monoxide levels in the blood, it makes the blood thicker, more prone to clotting, things like that. All of those things are a setup for a heart attack. I had a gentleman come in to see me once, he was a pharmacist locally, and he had been a smoker and he stopped, and now six months later he had an argument with his wife who lit a cigarette and had a heart attack. So it doesn't take many to cause a heart attack because it is a setup. But smoking and high cholesterol, and again, the more risk factors you have, the greater likelihood you are to develop plaque in the arteries, maybe asymptomatic plaque, and plaque doesn't obstruct blood flow until it's seventy, the artery is 70% blocked. So you can have a 50% blockage and not realize there's any problem because you're physically active and you're doing things. And you have your cigarette on the side. You know, you're smoking your cigarettes, you're having high fatty foods and things like that because you feel good. Doesn't mean you're not developing plaque in the arteries. When it gets to a point or that plaque may be liquidy and become disrupted and break open into the bloodstream, that a blood clot suddenly forms and you have a heart attack. So those things that you can control with regard to risk factors like smoking, like diabetes, like high cholesterol, all those things, if you do that, you may substantially lower your risk of heart attack.
1: Good cholesterol versus bad cholesterol. You know, if you got like a, a high number on your cholesterol, but say the high density is mm. a super high number, does that... Mean that you don't have to worry as much about the other number then?
0: Yeah, that was thought to be true. Well, it's it's maybe partially true because the high density lipoprotein collects the fat in the bloodstream or in plaques, the plaque that may be there,
1: scours and that excess scours, upholstery, brings it
0: down to <laughs> yeah, it brings it back to the liver where you can get rid of it. Uh, so I see it most typically in that situation where the total cholesterol may be a little elevated and the LDL is a little eleva- elevated, but the HDL is very high. I see that mostly in women, mostly older women, and they haven't had a cardiac event at all. So I believe the HDL is protective to a degree, may not be a carte blanche. Uh, If your total cholesterol and your LDL are high, significantly high, you still may want to bring those down a bit. The HDL seems to be the hardest number to bring up. You want that over 40, but exercise and watching fats in your diet, things like that may help to do that, but it's the hardest number to improve upon.
1: How is blood pressure linked to heart disease, and what can you do about that?
0: Control your blood pressure. Blood pressure now used to be 140 over 90 was considered the upper limit of normal, and that was for many years then the experts in the country were looking at those those numbers and what was happening to people around the country with regard to blood pressure. And probably because many were not being treated, if their pressures were 140 over 90, the doctors said, well, it's a separate normal. We'll just keep an eye on you. Watch your salt intake, things like that. But they weren't being really directly treated for blood pressure issues. The, they lowered the target to 130 over 70 now. So that's kind of the target blood pressure for people to kind of shoot for You're not going to stay at that number. The blood pressure number fluctuates moment to moment, constantly. Uh, that's why people at home checking their blood pressure five times a day get different readings. And some may be a bit elevated, some may be low. But you want to don't want the level up here going up and down. You want it down here going up and down. So if your pressures are a bit high, you want to try to keep those under control. Limiting salt intake for many people will reduce their blood pressure. Uh, limiting alcohol may do it as well. Alcohol may be the number one cause of hypertension in the United States. So people who are prone to that may want to limit their alcohol intake. Those things certainly can be a contributing factor. If your blood pressure is uncontrolled, greater risk may be stroke rather than heart attack. But there, there is the risk of both. Uh, so you want to be sure your pressure is, is down, either by natural means or by the use of medications. You know, Some people are very resistant to medication. Most people in the United States who have hypertension need at least two drugs to control it. Some people need five. And we usually use medicines that work by different mechanisms. Some may be vasodilators, so it opens blood vessels up. Some may be beta blockers, which slow the heart rate and reduce blood pressure that way. Uh, so we use different medicines from different types or different classes to try to control it if somebody's pressure is resistant to control.
1: For the natural means though, how do you reduce those numbers? The bad numbers, whether it's blood pressure, cholesterol,
0: you know heart rate, et cetera.
1: (laughs) But what are the okay, before medication, what are the first things you do then? Yeah.
0: No, well you you want a healthy heart healthy diet, if you will. Um, so you avoid things uh, like saturated fats and diets, red meats, well eat most meats, red bread meat, pork Veal, chicken skin is a terrible thing. (laughs) You can remove the skin from the chicken, and that's okay to eat the chicken. But chicken skin is really actually adds to cholesterol numbers and all that fat in the blood and all that type of thing. So watching your diet is a very important part of that heart-healthy situation. Eating more or incorporating it, I don't tell people to change their diet entirely because they're never going to stick with it. You know, they try uh, different things for it, and "Ah." and they go back to what they were eating before. But if you slowly incorporate different things like, grains and seeds and things um, in the diet, more fruits and vegetables into your diet and eliminate certain things that are high in fats and things like that, you may improve your overall cardiac health and protect you from having events develop down the line. So those are types of things you want to make the changes. Limit your red meat intake, all the good stuff, ice cream, butter, cheeses, all those things. Not that you can never have those things, but you just want to not take in as much as you you don't want to overdo them. is basically the bottom line. Exercise. Exercise is very important, obviously. You know, it, it, it tends to lower blood pressure, tends to reduce cholesterol levels, it tends to develop newer blood vessels, collateral circulation and things to areas that may have, say, your leg has a compromised blood flow to it. Vascular surgeons going to tell you to walk because you're demanding more blood flow to be delivered to that area. And you'll grow little branches many times, and you can revascularize an area. So exercise is very important in, in that, that respect as well. Helps with weight loss, reduction in sugar by exercising. So it's very important to do And you don't have to be very, very aggressive in exercising. You want to do it on a regular basis, though. So a moderate amount of exercise, you don't have to go out there and run a marathon, you know, but you want to do something on a regular basis several times a week. And that will help you overall.
1: How about sleep? If you're a bad sleeper.
0: I know, it's a very, very common problem too. People have insomnia they stir up half the night, you know. It's very difficult. So we can give sleep aids to help people get some better sleep or get some more sleep, you know. But you know, eight hours of sleep a night would be wonderful if everybody could do that. But it's very difficult. It's a common, common problem. Sleeping pills are difficult in that it's an artificial kind of sleep, first of all. But the next day people get up and they're still groggy from a sleeping pill and they're uncomfortable. So I don't tend to use a lot of them. Um, I may give somebody a milder tranquilizer that they can take at bedtime. It may relax them enough that they get better sleep, a little more sleep. But it's going to be out of their system by the time they get up. So then that's not going to be a lag effect the next day.
1: But if you're sleep deprived, is that stress on the heart
0: then? Oh, absolutely. Sure.
1: Oral hygiene.
0: What they believe it's mostly due to bacteria or viruses that may be in the mouth. The mouth is loaded with bacteria. And it can. Some people develop plaque in their arteries and they have no high blood pressure. They're not diabetic. They don't smoke. They have no families. But they still develop plaque in their arteries. We believe at least part of that may be from bacteria or viruses that are circulating in the bloodstream. So taking care of your oral hygiene to minimize that bacteria and virus levels may protect you. That's why they have people who are going to have open heart surgery go get the dental check before they do that. Right. They're gonna bypass your coronaries, but they don't want you infecting the new grafts because of bacteria in your mouth.
1: Stop smoking, start flossing. Right. So let's talk about the stress levels. How does stress impact
0: it's funny, stress most of the time because you're increasing the workload on the heart when you're under stress, either physical stress or, or emotional stress. Uh, those are the typical things that bring out heart symptoms, you know, they bring out angina or heart pain. Messes having, up
1: with your sleep. It does, your, it does all kinds of work. Makes, right, makes you eat badly, makes you drink right. more. Yes. I mean, suddenly it becomes. So all
0: those, yeah, vicious circle right? That's absolutely true.
1: But stress in itself, if you're doing everything else to be, to be healthy, just stress, bad news.
0: I mean, it's, you know, I mean if it's you're know, if you constantly under stress, I think it's more of an issue than if you're periodically getting stressed by something. But people say you have a stressful job, and they're constantly under stress all the time. Those are potentially dangerous, or those are people that are potentially at greater risk of developing problems with their heart or circulation. I've had the opposite occur rarely where somebody's had a stressful job all their life, and then they retire and they have a heart attack because they're used to the stress. <laughs> Everybody's different too. How do you respond to the stress? Some people may respond very positively to stress. They do their best work under stress, where probably most people's stress is really having a negative effect on their health.
1: Body chemistry is a rich tapestry. Yes, it
0: is. <laughs> really? yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, What may be true for one person may be absolutely false for another.
1: All right, so speaking of stress and relaxing of, of great stresses, we're sort of post-COVID. Oh, Although it's still with, us, still with us, but not not with the impacts that it did have in right, recent right, years. Right. However, we do know that COVID has significant effects on the cardiovascular system. So mm-hmm. what do we know about COVID's impacts now?
0: COVID itself, the virus itself, may impact on the heart in different ways. We're seeing more people who've had COVID uh, and maybe post-COVID develop atrial fibrillation, which is an irregular heart rhythm can be associated with blood clots, becomes more prevalent after people have had COVID for whatever reason. Cardiomyopathy, which is an effect on the heart muscle overall, has been reported in relationship to COVID, mostly occurring in young men, some young women, Uh, where the heart muscle suddenly becomes very weak and is not squeezing normally. They can develop fluid retention in the lungs. That may run its course and be self-limiting where that will resolve and the the heart performance goes back to normal. But acutely, depending on the severity of a COVID infection, uh, if somebody has underlying heart problems, then they may not tolerate the infection itself. So it's important to protect yourself from the, getting the infection, obviously. But it's still out there and it's probably gonna stay out there. You'll see different variants. Should you continue getting boosted and all that type of thing every year? Some people have underlying problems with their health. It's probably more important for them to get boosted and things to protect them from that COVID virus.
1: So then how do heart conditions go undetected? When people come in and say, we had no idea any of this was going on, when right. you kind of talk about what, what has been going on, mm-hmm. That clues were missed, clues were sure. dismissed.
0: I mean, I tell patients that all the time. I'll see you again in six months. And they go, well, what do I need to come back in six months? For I, I do that because they may be having some subtle symptoms that they are unaware is related to their heart, let's say. Well, they'll come in and we'll chat for a bit. They'll ask, "My, how you feeling with this? How you doing with that? And I may pick up on things that indicate to me there may be an underlying problem, that they're kind of you know, pushing down, eh, it's nothing to worry about, I'll be fine, type of thing. But if we look into it, we, we may find a problem that's there. Symptoms may, are notoriously unreliable. You may not have any symptoms, but we've had people come in, all of a sudden they start swelling in their legs and they're short of breath, and they come in and they're in heart failure, and their heart's huge. It didn't get that way overnight, that's happened over time. Or as I mentioned before, if somebody comes in, the first sign of a problem may be a heart attack. They weren't getting any chest pains or a short of breath or anything else. The first symptom, boom, they have a heart attack. And it sneaks up on you sometimes. So I would caution people not to ignore symptoms. I always tell people that, even if they've had, say, a stress test, a uh, nuclear stress test, which involves giving an injection and doing images of the heart, is about 87% accurate, 90% accurate, but it's not 100% accurate. So if I say, it, I say to people, your stress test looks good, so hopefully everything is fine there, but if you have symptoms, don't ignore them. You call me and let me know that, because it may be a problem that's not showing up here. We may need to go to a catheterization and take a look directly. Be mindful of your body, you know, if you notice a change in some way, I'm getting out of breath now doing something which I didn't have happened before, or I'm getting a little discomfort, but it goes away quickly. Nah, it's probably nothing. Get it checked out. It might be something. That's Deborah
1: cardiologist, Dr. Joseph Guarino. Check this space again for more discussions of health issues you need to understand. The next podcast drops the first Wednesday of the month. I'm Rasa Kay.
0: You can always listen to all of the informative Deborah doctor interviews at DeborahHealthReport.com. Schedule an appointment at DemandDeborah.org.